our prayer and devotion. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. Our Heavenly Father, with gratitude and confidence, we bow together before thee this morning. After the rest of the night, <laughs> we face the day with his untried experiences, in courage and hope, claiming thy promise. I will be in no wise fail thee nor forsake thee. We humbly place ourselves at thy merciful disposal. Forgiving, forgive us, protect us, guide us, use us, and keep us in the thought of thee all the day. Reveal thyself to them that are dear to us and lead them into thy peace. Those who are in any temptation, deliver, or any sorrow or affliction, sustain and comfort. Supply every need of theirs according to thy riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Give our rulers, we beseech thee, wisdom and power to administer righteous government. Save us from the covetous and proud. Unite our people in the bonds of love, constraining them to justice and mercy and pity, that those who have may help those who have not, that oppression and poverty may cease from among us, and may we as a nation understand and fulfill our mission to the world. Spread abroad everywhere the knowledge of thy salvation and bring in speedily the day of Jesus Christ, in whose name we ask all. Father, I also ask you to continue to show me the things you want me to see. So when I speak, Master, it will be only those things you want me to say. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Praise the Lord. Seek God for the city kind of coincides. This prayer coincides with the message for the day, and seek God for the city does, this, does the same thing. And uh, I, I just have to highlight this. Um, the scriptures that, well, it seems so awesome to me. You may not, because of my study preparing for today, it, it's just, <laughs> these scriptures was just blessing me. And why? Because I'm going to read first the scripture that they have here for today in Isaiah, which was the prophetic word. Okay. The spirit of the Lord of God is upon me to bring good news to the afflicted, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, so they will be called oaks of righteousness. <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. I rem remember, oh God, so many years ago, and I can't even tell you who the person was. I could just see the moment of when they spoke, spoke this to me. I don't know where we were, what was going on, but she said, you are like an oak tree, and I didn't understand it. I didn't have a clue about what she was talking about, uh, which when I read this, the Lord brought this back to me. Now, why he's bringing it back to me, I believe, is for me to hold on, not to faint, not to give up. Remember, because whatever he says to you out of his word, that is a prophetic word to hold on to, and it shall manifest. Amen. He says, um, so they will be called oaks of righteousness. Let me start again. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me to bring good news to the afflicted. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. So they will be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Then they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the former devastations. Y'all need to hear with your spirit. And they will repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Now, this was a word that was prophesied about the coming of Jesus Christ. And as a result of the coming of Jesus Christ, this is what we will be empowered to do. Now, in Luke 4, we're going to see that that coming person is manifested. 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, says Jesus, <laughs> because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So in Luke 4, when Jesus got up, he pronounced the fulfillment of the Messiah who was coming to bless us. Okay, now you got to hold on to that because as I go into the study, uh, prayerfully, you will get a deeper revelation of who you are in Jesus Christ, what salvation actually means, okay? So today's uh, message is um, coming out of Hebrews 2. Prayerfully, we're going to get through verses, the first 13 verses. And the t title is, Work Out Your Own Salvation. All right? I'm going to read the, read, the, read the scripture first, and then I'll come back. Uh, in verse 2, it says, the, the writer is saying, Therefore, we ought to give the most earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip mm. or drift away. I, I, I like that better, drift, drift away. He, he's saying, give earnest heed to the gospel that has been told to you or preached to you. Okay? Because things are going to happen but you don't lose your, your salvation or your faith as a result of what's happening. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedient received a just recompense or reward or they were, there was a penalty for not in the Old Testament for not following the law of Moses. So if... if, if um, they didn't follow the law of Moses and they had to pay a penalty for that. How much more is expected for us who don't obey what has already been proven? How should we escape if we neglect so great salvation? There is no way out but through salvation. You can come up with all of your little sayings and everything else, but without salvation, you don't escape. Okay? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. In other words, God spoke the word to the apostles. The apostles wrote the word. He wrote the, the spoken word and put it on paper for us to have. So now we have no excuse nor do we have to fail because we have it written before us, okay? He says, for unto the angels, have he not put in subjection the word, oh, wait a minute, did I miss four? I'm sorry. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders. That written word has a witness with signs and wonders and with divers miracles or uh, uh, various types of miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. Mm. I have more to say about that as we go on. For unto the angels, hath he not put in subjection the world to come whereof we speak? But one in a certain, certain place testifies, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visited him? Mm -mm. <laughs> Do y'all hear what he said? That thou visited him. In other words, he don't mean, because see, right away with religion, you go to visions. We're not talking about having no visions. That he takes care of him. That's what it means. He comes to visit us to take care of us. Don't let his presence be for naught because you have dull ears from hearing blinded eyes from seeing therefore your heart cannot receive what God has in store for you because you just moseying on through life 
Jesus. Verse 7. Thou manifest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor and didst set him over the works of thy hands. This also reminds me of Saturday when we've talked about the names of Jesus that declares his work. Remember? Do y'all remember that? Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him. <laughs> glory. Everything is under subjection to Jesus. And Jesus has given us that authority. So because we're in him, they're, they're also under subjection of us. Mm. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. But we see Jesus. You don't have to see the stuff. See Jesus. <laughs> who was made a little lower than angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. He, in other words, he came in an, in an earth suit to, so that he can experience all that we will ever or have experienced in order to conquer it so that we will be the overcomers. That he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it... Be became him from whom all from whom are all things and by whom are all things and bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering or uh, complete through sufferings make in other words he's the author of salvation I love that there is no salvation without Jesus he's the author and the finisher of our faith. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. You, you see, when we listen to false religions and philosophies, that we have made this verse void. Because he says that we are in him, and because we're in him, we are all one, and we are sanctified by him. Mm. Saying, verse 12, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the, of the church, or in the midst of the congregation, will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him, and again, behold, I and the children which God have given me. God sanctifies us by his presence that then makes us righteousness to stand before our Father who art in heaven and petition for what we need. Do you get before him to petition him or do you get before him to whine and complain? I've said it before. He's not moved by your tears. He's moved by your faith. Now, unless your tears are tears of, of joy because of faith, he's not moved by our tears. He's moved by our faith. He already know what has already come up against you. So you cry to him, Lord, did you know? Lord, this is happening. That's not moving him. Lord, I thank you for being present doing this trying time. Reading this and just thinking about it, let me ask you a question. Do you get the impression that most people think their salvation is magical and there is nothing for them to do? Okay. Well, so because of that, we're going to talk about and get a clear understanding about salvation. So I'm going to my Bible dictionary and I'm, do, and I'm going to read the verses out of this, this Bible. It is awesome. So this is definitely a teaching moment, okay? And then we'll go back to the scriptures if we have time. Salvation. One of the key concepts of God's revelation to humanity, the biblical ideal, idea of salvation involves three notions. First, 
is the rescue from danger, harm, or even death of an individual group or nation. Remember I said a few weeks ago or whenever that we need to focus on our salvation now and not about it's going to put me in heaven. He wanted us to understand the fullness of salvation on earth in order to reap heaven. So this first definition explains that. It says it's rescue from danger harm, and even death, okay? Most specifically, salvation is the rescue from sin and death. The scriptures tell us that when we got saved, <clears throat> excuse me, we were translated from death and sin, translated. What that means, you've been taken out and put somewhere else. What? We've been translated from sin and death into the glorious kingdom of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> second is the renewing of the spirit. That little S is because it's talking about your spirit being renewed. <clears throat> Excuse me. Scripture explains that humanity fell from the original condition of moral purity into the state of sin. We all know that that's what happened in the garden, okay? God's salvation always renews the spirit of a person to lead a life that is morally pleasing to him. Now that you are saved, <laughs> it will, um, you should not have the same desires that you had before. You should not get pleasure out of stuff that is a work of evil and sin. Amen? Now, help me get through this whole thing, Lord. Let me just, just share with you, even before Christ, I used to have the thought when uh, uh, movies and, and, and uh, TV programs were uh, using a lot of uh, black actors. Why was it that they had to be done in such filth, filthy conversation? It was like every other word is a curse word. And, and I, I didn't understand, why did they have to do that? So I used to watch things like... Um, the Cosby family, yeah, things like that. Because I'm like, to me, that's an insult. They're saying that we're so ignorant. All we know how to do is use profanity. And, and, and that was a show up showing where people who were educated had good jobs and that kind of stuff, just like any other race of people, you know. So now after being saved, <clears throat> I'm beyond that, um, that kind of understanding now, I'm, I, I, I cringe, and I can't even take it. You know, it feels like my flesh is, I can't, I can't take it. And, 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 and plus, I certainly don't want to ingest that uh, before I go to sleep. Because that stuff doesn't edify me. It doesn't encourage me. It, 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 it doesn't give me any sense of worth or anything, you know, to watch that. Why? Because my spirit has been renewed by the spirit of the living God. And because he lives in me, you can't take him every and anywhere. And you can't put in you with him dwelling in you any kind of stuff, because it's not enough room. So if you, would, if you choose to ingest that filthy conversation by watching stuff like that, now you have caused him to move out. He's not dwelling there with you. Oh, so then when you're getting into a spot where you need assistance above your understanding, your covering is missing. 
till you learn how to go and say, forgive me, God, and help me to break loose from the stronghold that causes me to enjoy and to uh, be drawn to that kind of entertainment. Okay? All right. It says, uh, God's salvation also renewed the spirit of a person to lead a life that is morally pleasing to him. Third is the restoration. These are <clears throat> the benefits of salvation. <clears throat> Third is the restoration of a right relationship with God. I know, I know, I know, I know I am on something right now. God, I thank you for uprooting doubt strongholds right now off of your people and leading us into the light and the life of Jesus Christ. God, thank you for your presence here that is demolishing, destroying the strongholds off of the minds of your people who have been living in the same old thing year after year after year. This is a new day. I declare newness over their minds. I declare, Satan, you must release them and let them go in the name of Jesus. God is present. God is on this plane right now. He come to set the captives free. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And it's not enough room for you. In the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit wants to indwell in your being so that you are guided and led by his spirit and not by your natural man. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That's poor in spirit. He have sent me to proclaim the release to the captives <laughs> and the recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed and don't even know it and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. This is the year of the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Receive it. <clears throat> Receive it. Because this, this was not even happening. So receive it in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> I got news for you. When you sit in the presence of truth and you reject it, you will be answering to the Savior at judgment time for all the truth that you rejected because of your intellect. I'd rather be like a little child, ready to receive. Hallelujah, knowing that God has me and anything that I don't need, <laughs> it's gonna dissipate in the name of Jesus. Okay, back to the definition of salvation. It says, um, third is the restoration of a right relationship with God. One of the effects of sin is separation from God. The written word of God makes clear that salvation restores one's relationship with God. As Romans 5.10 says, for if, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. In both the Old Testament and the New Testament, God's salvation includes rescue, renewal, restoration, and is accomplished through the person and work of his son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Rescue, renewal, and restoration. Old Testament gives many examples of a type of physical salvation to teach about the more important salvation. Salvation has been from the very beginning of creation. Okay? Now, I want y'all to listen with your, with your heart. <clears throat> this teaching about salvation begins in the first three chapters of Genesis. 
The first two chapters tell how God created the heavens and the earth, the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the animals of the land, and the first man and woman. All that God created was very good. Chapter 3 explains how sin entered into God's created order and God's promise of salvation through the seed of the woman. Did y'all hear that? It was predicted in the Old Testament. It was a way made for even Old Testament saints to get salvation before Jesus. They had to believe on the word that was prophesied of the coming Messiah. Just like we got to believe that he's going to return. And so many people, I've been hearing that all of my life, and you will hear it until you die. Because it is a promise, and it's going to manifest because anything that's been prophesied about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, most of it has already manifested, and the rest is coming. He is going to come. You sit here talking that stupid conversation if you want to, like you put breath in your body. Okay, um... Even though male and female were created in the image of God, now God's image is marred in all mankind. The results of sin include death and separation from God. The eroding of human nature into godliness is clearly evident in the story of Noah. Since God is holy, he cannot abide with or condone that which is unholy. Don't talk to me about, yeah, he's in my heart. And you doing everything under the sun. God's judgment against sin and sinners is real and demonstrated by a worldwide flood. However, God revealed his grace and mercy by providing an ark of salvation for Noah and his family. Do y'all realize that was like one of the first salvation <laughs> you got to think outside of the box, okay? He, he prepared them to be saved from the flooding. And those who had ears to hear were saved. But those who did not believe because they thought he was crazy because it hadn't rained, and you talking about a flood? So they did not get, be a part of that. They drowned. Mm. Okay, this is a living picture of the salvation God brought about for sinners in and through Jesus. The Lord made a covenant with Abraham, promising to bless all the nations of the earth through, through him in Genesis 12, 1-3. This promise is another illustration of God's intent to provide salvation. Later in, later in Israel's history, okay, well, let me kind of make a little comment about that. Okay, remember he says that I'm going to give you seed that's going to be more than the sand on the beach and the stars in the sky and all of that. So every inheritance from out of that generation then have the opportunity to experience salvation if you follow behind where the covenant was given to Abraham. Okay? It says, later in Israel's history, Moses led the nation out of bondage into the promised land. God proved himself stronger than the false gods of Egypt. Cults. All cults. Wiser than the wisdom of Pharaoh. Men and women, you look up to more than you do Jesus. And more powerful than the Egyptians Egyptian army, there is not enough demons in hell that can supersede a believer in Jesus Christ. Do y'all realize that? There's nothing. Remember, it was is that in Hebrews or Romans, there's neither death, angels, nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. Okay? God provided salvation for his people. Do you realize God was sending them salvation during that time when the Egyptians was coming after the Israelites and he's parted the Red Sea? 
<laughs> Moses further instructed God's people in the need of blood sacrifices to atone for sin. The book of Leviticus gives the proper method and means of sacrifices, and chapter 16 explains the day of atonement. The high priest enters the Holy of Holies with the blood of a bull to make atonement first for himself and then for the people. The lesson, the lesson further illustrates God's holiness and the need for a sacrifice to experience his salvation. Another uh, uh, picture of the forthcoming atonement was after Adam and Eve had sinned and, and instead of repenting, he goes and hide to cover the sin. God then killed an animal and took the skin to wrap them in, in the clothing to hide their nakedness. That was another atoning act of the coming of Jesus Christ. Okay? While much of the Old Testament deals with the salvation of the nation of Israel, and that's how they saw salvation was the sacrificing of animals and these kinds of things, okay? But they were making amends for sin because sin, like I said, God does not dwell in sin. He cannot. See, that's why if you know anybody that practices saying, well, God knows my heart. You need to alert them. Stop saying that stupid stuff. That's why he keeps sending messages to you that you reject. Because he knows your heart. <laughs> While much of the Old Testament deals with the salvation of the nation of Israel, the Psalms focus more on the salvation of the individual and the prophets extend God's plan of salvation to the nation. The prophets who wrote the songs besides David, okay, is extending the plan of salvation to the nation. Why do you think God said that David was a man after his own heart? Because David sinned big time and often, but David repented of his sin. And let me tell you, if you read, he never, after he uh, confessed and repented of one sin, he didn't, he didn't do that sin again. He did something different and something new. He never repeat, he never did that same sin. He was Heartful sor sorry for what he had done, and he confessed it before the Lord. Amen? And the reason why God was so pleased with him, because he knew where to come with his stuff. He knew where to come with his mess. He knew where to go with his mess. And that was to the Lord, and not hide it and make excuses for it and cover it and try to impress mankind with how you think you look. You, you, you try, you keep thinking about impressing mankind with how you look and when Jesus returned and we'll see how you're going to look then. Um, <laughs> while much of the Old Testament deals with the salvation of the nation, the Psalms focus more on the salvation of the individual and the prophets extend God's plan of salvation to the nation. Uh, and I'm going to give you some scriptures if you want to write them down to support this. Psalms 13, 18, and 51. Psalms 13, Psalms 18, and Psalms 51. Isaiah 2, 2 through 4. Micah 4, 1 through 4. Zechariah 8, 20 through 23. The Old Testament lays the foundation for a biblical understanding of salvation. God is holy and cannot tolerate sin. Human beings are falling, are fallen, and sinful creatures. God initiates and provides a way of salvation, and finally, people respond to God's offer of salvation. So God provides a way of escape for us, but we have to receive it and follow it, okay? God is always the one who saves and redeems his people, and redemption usually comes with a blood sacrifice, which is what Jesus did. This is why the message of the cross and blood is not a one time or a certain time. It is an ongoing message. It should always be preached continuously to keep us in remembrance of how we have been redeemed and how we are saved. That is not no 
Easter resurrection message. That's an everyday message. In fact, that is the gospel. And everything in the Bible is wrapped around that revelation. So to think that there's certain times of the year you talk about this or you're talking about it too much, you have missed the boat. And you don't have to get a degree in theology to come to understand that because I think most of the people who got these degrees think like that. Would you let the spirit of the living God reveal his truth to you? You'll understand that there is no certain time. It is a daily lifetime message. Amen. It says New Testament, in the New Testament, salvation by grace alone through faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ is the dominant theme. That's why you have to work out your own salvation. Why? It's by faith that we live. And our faith caused the working of our salvation, not no magical thing because you once confessed some words. And if you confess those words and they were not part of your heart, you're not saved anyway. Okay? Let me read that verse again. Uh, Salvation by grace alone through faith in the person and the work of Jesus Christ is the dominant theme. Salvation begins with the initiating love of God. John 3, 16, Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. God's eternal purpose is to save sinners through Jesus' atoning death on the cross. Thus, Christology is a vital component of the New Testament and relates directly to the doctrine of salvation. Specifically, Jesus' nature as the God-man and his substitutionary death on the cross are the key elements. The New Testament cannot be properly understood apart from a right view of who Jesus is and what Jesus did. As John says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. See, now after salvation, you don't need a sign, wonder, or miracle. You have the truth. The sign, wonders, and miracles are for the unbelievers, but they should be following the believer. All the New Testament writers witnessed to the importance of, of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for salvation. And the scriptures that support that are Romans 1, 6, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 11, 1 Peter 2, 21 through 25. The preaching of both Peter and Paul in the book of Acts further attests to the centrality of the atonement and resurrection as the gospel message. And just read the whole book of Acts because there's too many scriptures down for him for me to quote, (laughs) okay? In the New Testament, salvation is found in no other name but the name of Jesus. Acts 4.12 supports that. The New Testament identifies several other key doctrines of, or elements as part of a complete understanding of salvation. One is the work of the Holy Spirit in convicting of sin and bringing about the new birth. If you are never convicted of sin, you are not filled with the Holy Ghost. If you are not convicted of your own personal sin, I'm not talking about somebody else's sin, (laughs) then you are not filled with the Holy Spirit. And you better be asking him to come in and infill you, live in you. Besides the conviction of sin, the bringing about the new birth. That means the transformation of that old person to become a new person now. Amen. 
In the Gospel of John, Jesus, Jesus explains that the ministry of the Holy Spirit involves conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Earlier in John's Gospel, Jesus has a conversation with Nicodemus in which Jesus instructs the Pharisee on the necessity of the new birth. You see, he was a, a teacher of the scriptures, Pharisees. But he was not saved. So that's what I said. Don't get caught up with people who, who can quote some verses and say some things and may have a literal understanding about some of these things in the Bible because the only way that you're going to have the revelatory understanding is to have the Holy Spirit in you. The only way the Holy Spirit can be in you, you have to be saved first. And without salvation, you do not have the deeper understanding of the Bible. So don't be moved by people saying things that sounds good. You better know that it's right. So, okay, um, in John 3, verses 3 to 8 is, is, is when Jesus approaches, uh, well, actually, Nicodemus went in the dark because he didn't want nobody to know he had an inquiring mind, <laughs> and he, he wanted to talk to, to the real Pharisee <laughs> to, get, to get the truth, okay? Paul calls this new birth regeneration. He writes of the work of the Holy Spirit in convicting and convincing persons of their sin and need for a Savior in terms of calling. So many people think, Oh, the calling on my life. And you come up with whatever the gift that you've been informed that you're operating or the office. No. You were chosen for that. The calling is salvation. And without the calling, you can't operate in the chosen part that you've been chosen to do. We've been called out of darkness. You were called to be saved. You were pulled out. The Holy Spirit began to work in your soul, in your spirit, to tell you something is missing. I am not satisfied. I need something. And the moment that you got in the proper position, the proper place to hear the gospel of salvation, you, oh, so you confessed him with your mouth what you actually believed in your heart and you got saved. That meant you responded to the call. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so uh, it says the New Testament cannot be properly understood apart from a right view of who Jesus is and what Jesus did. Okay, okay, I read that. But they are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah. So it says that he performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are written in the book. But that is so that we may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. All the New Testament writers witnessed to the importance of death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for salvation. Which, when we read the epistles and the, the gospel, it's a repetitive thing of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Without it, there is no salvation. Okay? This is why I say there are certain religious cults who don't some of them don't believe in the resurrection. Some of them don't believe uh, uh, in, in uh, the cross, the burial. There's so many different little, little things that they don't believe in that rule them out from being saved and following who Jesus Christ is. And they don't have salvation, but they think they are because they've had certain little statements and sentences that they've read that they they uh, receive, but let me tell you, you got to accept the whole package. You can't get part of the package. You have to accept the whole package, and the whole package consists of the deity, which is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, you notice it's God between each one of those, before each one of those. Not God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost, 
God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. All God, three in one. Amen. Who demonstrates himself in various personalities that perform according to the name. Glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's why you need to know so you can call on the right name when you're in a certain situation. And then he'll show up. If I read the same thing, so be it. The New Testament identifies several other key doctrines or elements as part of a complete understanding of salvation. One is the work of the Holy Spirit in convicting of sin and bringing about the new birth. In the Gospel of John, Jesus explained that the ministry of the Holy Spirit involves conviction. And maybe I'm supposed to keep saying this because somebody ain't getting it. <laughs> the conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Conversion is often the term used to describe when someone actually receives salvation. This is the point when a person repents and believes. Faith and repentance are the conditions of salvation. So that means that you have repented of everything of who you used to be to accept the new and anything that was good and worth being carried over, it would come in a new form, and he will, re and he will reveal it to you. So release who you become. Give it to the Father to become who he says you're to be, which was his original plan. Amen? Repentance means turning from self and sin to God and holiness, while faith is believing the historical facts about Jesus and trusting him alone to forgive one of sins and to grant eternal salvation. See, when we refuse to let go to receive, we're, we're actually saying, Jesus, you are not powerful enough to make the change. I don't believe that you can turn things around. Well, see, that's the same thing. When we hold on to the past and we reflect on that all the time, which tends to validate who we are now, when you, when you do that, especially as a believer, you're saying, Jesus, you're not powerful enough to change me to fix me. See, when you hold on to all of what used to be, that's a problem. Because God is saying, I'm doing a new thing. I've given you a new song, a new heart. Forget what's behind, press towards the mark. You know, there's times when I, I would sit up and I was trying to remember um, how my bedroom was on Burt Road. Now, you would think it had been 10, 20 years, and I couldn't picture it. And I'm like, well, what's wrong with me? Why can't I remember what that bedroom looked like? Be because I was making a comparison of space. And God said, old things pass away. All things become new. It's like, which, why do you need to focus on that? If you want to make some changes in this room now, just ask me. I'll show you how to fix it. <laughs> like, thank you, God. <laughs> the promise of salvation is eternal life with Jesus in heaven. The New Testament teaches that believing in the gospel results in justification before God. That's good. I'm going to say that again. Believing in the gospel is justification before God. The doctrine of justification by faith is central to Pauline theology and has been very influential in the history of the church. In, in Romans, Galatians, and Philippians, Paul discusses justification by faith alone at length. Now, we have just got through in finishing the study of Galatians and Philippians. Y'all looking at me like, really? Oh, Lord. And then you wonder why I repeat the same thing. Don't make, us, make me go back over that series again. 
Okay, you should have been holding on to that because it says justification by faith alone was the topic of those books. <laughs> okay, the essential point in relation to salvation is that at the moment of conversion, the sinner is declared not guilty before God through the blood of Jesus. Amen. By trusting in Jesus alone for salvation, the righteousness of Jesus Christ is inputted to the sinner so that God now treats the sinner in light of the righteousness of Jesus. Which means he's supposed to see Jesus and not us. Glory. When he looks at us, he's supposed to see Jesus because you're walking in what was freely given to you and stamped on you. At the moment of conversion, the sinner becomes a saint, not free from actual sin in this life, but, but free from the death penalty of sin. That means that you've been free from death. You've been free from the power of sin. It means we can sin, but sin can't hold you. Sin does not have the power to keep you, but you got to know that. Satan already knows it. Why do you think he have you repeating the same dumb stuff over and over and over again, but expecting God to show you something different? He does not want you to have the victory, so he keeps you oppressed with, with his lies. And he also keeps you oppressed with feeling good about some of the things you say, look at, and do because it's you. Because he does not want you to, to get the victory and know that that stuff is keeping you in captivity. And I don't want your eyes open. So you just keep on watching that mess. You just keep on speaking the same negative phrases and words that manifest what you say. Manifest what you say. Don't learn my words so you can speak that in place of what you're feeling. Don't think about the work I've, I've had my son to do on the cross for your sake in order to set you free and to heal you and deliver your mindset and take you out of insanity don't, don't speak those things. Don't focus on those things. You may have victory. But keep speaking what you've been speaking so that you can just keep walking through this long life of destruction that keeps you unhappy, keeps your heart broken, prevents you from thinking clearly, keep you from being inconsistent what you just do when you feel. You haven't practiced to do what's right so it becomes second nature to you, but just when you feel like it, as the Indians say, this is a good day to die. <laughs> the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit actually indwells the sinner at the moment of conversion. A lifelong process of growth in Christ-likeness now begins and is called sanctification. That's sanctification. Since salvation is a gift of God, the believer can never lose the gift of salvation. I believe that. But what I also believe that sometimes people confess things and they only think that they're saved, but they're not saved because it was no faith in their hearts. It was just a verbal speaking. Therefore, when they be acting like the rest of the church folks for a while and then they stop, it hasn't that they lost salvation. They were never saved in the first place. They just gotten tired of practicing. <laughs> because, see, when you're saved, you don't have to practice how to be saved. It's in you, and he continues to work it in you day by day by day by day. Amen. This is a testimony to the fullness of God's grace. The Christian's eternal future is secure because not only does God initiate salvation, he also preserves the Christian through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. 
Salvation is a free gift from God that rescues the believer from sin and, is, and its consequences renews the believer to a holy life and restores the believer to a right relationship with God for all eternity. Amen. Because I believe just that reading and understanding of salvation actually covers those scriptures for you to really, you can go back and read them again and get even a greater uh, revelation concerning these scriptures. Because the, the writer is actually saying, he's sending out a warning. Do not neglect Christ's message, which is the gospel. Take heed to the message about your salvation and be serious about it. Not thinking that you've recited some words, you're safe and just fleeting through this world. Mm -mm. Take it seriously so that you can take up your new life. You have to work out your salvation if you're not willing to work it out, well, how do you expect the Holy Spirit is going to work beyond your will? He's given mankind a free will. We get to make a decision whether God can work in us or not. He does not knock you down like Satan does and force his will on you. So we have to work it out. And you can't work out your salvation without the word of God. Because this is where we're getting the data and the information that we need to know that builds our faith. Without the word, there is no faith. Without faith, you can't work out your salvation. You have to have faith in God and what he can do. Not in what you understand according to the natural course of this world. Not in what you understand according to science and medical opinions. No, you have to work it out according to what God's word has to say. Facts, facts, facts are subject to change by the truth. So the fact is, I have these symptoms, but the truth is, I am a new creature in Christ. By his stripes, I am healed. Speak to the facts. Speak to the symptoms with the word and watch him work it. And not only is he going to work the symptoms, but greater than that, it's the symptoms. No, no, no. Let me rephrase that. He ain't working the symptoms. When you speak the truth, he's working the faith in your heart. The faith in your heart works the symptoms. Because you believe it works out all of the unbelief and only what he's spoken now has to manifest because all the unbelief is gone and does not give power to the symptoms. So speak what thus says the Lord until you feel the difference. Until you taste the difference. Until your eyes see the manifestation of the difference. Don't give up to me. Well, I said it two times. You say it until it is believable. And there's no more doubt. He's not a man who lies. And it's amazing. It's amazing. We listen to men. When I, I'm generically who lies and we believe it but the truth we won't accept it as my mother said you can think a bigger lie than you can speak you sit up and think about all kinds of junk to talk about and say that's a lie but if God somebody asks you something that's biblically based or ask you something that you need to come up with a biblical base comment or answer, you don't have a clue. Because we become what we practice. We become what we practice. Practice this. Practice it. And see the change 
what will happen to you. I know by practicing, things change. Your view is transformed because you're reading this word, and when you practice it, you want to be a doer, not just a hearer. And watch he change these things. Okay, I'm going to do the benediction. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. God, I pray. I pray, Lord Jesus. Work the gospel in our hearts. Don't let us be deceived any longer by the deception of Satan in this world. Give us the courage and the wisdom to hold on to your word. Seek your word, hunger and thirst after it so you can transform our hearts. <sighs> Bathe us in a newness of your spirit. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Traveling mercies for you as you go to your next destination. And remember, as always, tell somebody about Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>